Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Friday, April 22nd, and this is your FT News Briefing. Elon Musk really wants to own Twitter, and he's putting his money where his mouth is. He's put $33 billion down. No one's ever offered $33 billion of their personal fortune you know, to buy a company before. And it was a dramatic week for Netflix. Bad news about subscribers and shares fell off a cliff. It really tells you that, you know, you're not in Kansas anymore. And we'll play an online game where the challenge is to reach net zero emissions by the year 2050. Spoiler alert, it ain't easy. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. The speculation this week about whether Elon Musk would be able to finance a bid to buy his favorite social media site reached a climax yesterday. The Tesla CEO unveiled plans for a $46.5 billion takeover bid of Twitter. Lots to chew on, but I had a simpler question for our West Coast editor, Richard Waters. Why does Musk want Twitter in the first place? (laughs) Well, I can tell you why he says he wants Twitter, and that is because he says, you know, free speech on the internet or at least on this social network, is under threat, and he's the man to guarantee it. We don't know how much of that is true, how much of it is because he wants to protect his own platform, his own megaphone on Twitter, uh, or even just how much he thinks this is a good deal. I mean, he stepped in and started buying Twitter stock when it was at a big discount to where it was trading last year. And, you know, he thinks this is a great asset that can be massively more valuable. So uh, take your pick as to, you know, the real reason he stepped in. How do you think members of Twitter's board are going to react to this, Richard? You you know, you've got Twitter founder Jack Dorsey on there, folks from the private investment firm Silver Lake. You know, what what are they going to say to all this? Well, I think for all Twitter board members now, you know, they've really got to face up to, you know, a difficult question, which is, This price that Musk has offered is still considerably below where Twitter traded before the stock market correction set in in November. And therefore, it looks like, you know, they'd be selling on the cheap. On the other hand, it is still a big premium to where the stock was. As of yet, there's no sign that anybody else is going to step in. You mentioned Silver Lake uh, are on the board. Egon Durbin of Silver Lake is, you know, is, is one of the directors who's going to call the shots here. He's like any other director. He has a fiduciary duty to represent those shareholders of Twitter and make sure they get a good deal. And I think risking losing Musk as a bidder would be bad for Twitter shareholders. So it may be that there are alternative transactions. I mean, this is a big question now. Is Twitter going to be looking for something else? And would Silver Lake, for instance, play a role in that? We don't yet know, but they simply can't let Musk walk at this point. Richard Waters is the FT's West Coast editor. Thanks, Richard. Uh, Yeah, Mark, good to talk to you as always. The other big company drama this week was the Netflix horror show. The company's first quarter earnings revealed big subscriber losses and even worse numbers potentially for the current quarter. Investors bailed big time. Netflix shares flopped nearly 40% since the beginning of the week. The FT's markets editor, Katie Martin, joins me to make some sense of this. Hey, Katie. Hey, how you doing? Doing well. So what happened here with Netflix? So um, there's a couple of things, um, really. One of them is that consumer habits are changing incredibly quickly as we come out of all the pandemic lockdowns. You know, while we were all confined to our homes, 
You fast forward from 2020 to 2022, and it's a completely different environment for consumers. And we don't have to rely solely on on television to, you know, keep us going. And so there are stocks that did incredibly well through the pandemic that are just going to find life a lot more difficult. This is a much more punishing environment. You know, if you put out results that are a bit of a stinker and Netflixes were a proper stinker, then the market will not be kind to you. And of course, stocks in general are going down as interest rates go up. And, you know, just yesterday, Federal Reserve Chair Jay Powell said that the the Fed would potentially raise rates by half a percentage point when they meet again next month. But but really, I want to ask you about the European Central Bank. Um, the ECB signaled it would raise rates in the coming months. And yesterday, there was a big sell-off in debt markets. And, and borrowing costs actually shot up to an eight-year high. Well, part of it is that where the U.S., debt market goes, the rest of the world follows. And so there's been a bit of a kind of gravitational pull in the European market from what's been happening with treasuries. The other is that it's not so outlandish an idea to think that the ECB might raise rates for the first time since 2011 relatively soon, because Europe, despite the fact that it's got literally a war on its border has got precisely the same sorts of inflation pressures that you see in in the States and elsewhere. So the thing is, can the European Central Bank raise interest rates without tipping the Eurozone economy into another recession? It's a difficult enough job for the Fed in, in the US to get through this, but for Europe it's even harder because you just have got a much bigger hit to economic growth from what's going on in Ukraine than you have in, for example, the US. Katie Martin is the FT's markets editor. Thanks as always, Katie. No problem. So the other day, I played a game with my colleague, Sam Joyner. Sam heads our visual storytelling team, and he helped create the FT Climate Game. It's an online game that challenges players to dial back the worst effects of climate change. The goal is to reach net zero emissions by 2050. Here's Sam. You have to keep global temperatures to 1.5 degrees by cutting emissions while preserving nature and protecting livelihoods. And we worked with the International Energy Agency to create questions that take you from 2022 to 2050 to see if you could do that. All right, so I need to keep global warming to 1.5 Celsius by cutting energy-related carbon dioxide emissions to net zero by 2050, correct? Yeah, that's exactly right, yeah. Okay, so I've got 100 points to spend throughout the game, and I can, I can choose an advisor. I'm going to choose Gina Green, who's the teen activist, which is very clearly like Greta Thunberg. Okay, so I have 100 points. Round one. The first question is, coal makes up three quarters of the CO2 produced by electricity. And they ask me, do I want to phase out coal plants in wealthy countries? That'll cost me five of my 100 points. Let the market take its course and coal demand will fall. That'll take two of my points. And stop all new coal plants globally and close those in wealthy countries. That's 10 points. Now, Sam, in your position, which one would you do? I would I would go for the, the most costly. The more energy you spend cutting emissions now and in the next 10 years, the better it is later and the more of an impact you have later. So I'm going to go against what you said here because I'm budget-minded. I'm going to phase out coal plants in wealthy countries over the next 10 to 20 years. So I'm just going to spend five points here. I'm going to hit next question. Cutting emissions in all areas needs new technologies. I'm going to make a roads made of solar panels because I think that's pretty neat. And I'm going to 
click better electric vehicle batteries. Does that sound about right to you? I might not have gone for those two, but it's not the worst attempt I've seen. Oh, okay. I'm going to spend those 10 points. And my advisor, Gina Green, says I'm, I've made a good decision. She's a teen activist. She's got great powers, but they might not be in the innovation space. One of the great things about the game is that all of the decisions you make pay off or don't pay off later. Um, so you will, you will find out how investment in solar panel drawers is going to go. A, a sort of disclaimer here is that I think if solar panels aren't tilted, they might struggle to absorb the amount of sunlight that you might need for them to be effective. Bit of a spoiler there, but that's all right. Okay, I've gotten a message from Gina Green. A giant iceberg almost the size of Greater London has broken off, a sign that the West Antarctic ice sheet may be becoming more unstable. Oh, it just made a really unhappy sound. Why was that? I thought I had been doing well up until this point, Sam. Yeah, I think you might have just hit a tipping point. So tipping points were introduced to reflect the fact that the, the world is already changing in ways beyond our control. We've kind of got these key planetary tipping points, which are major climate systems. The Amazon rainforest is one, Antarctica is one, and we wanted to introduce a kind of an element of that where you don't have a control over these things. So you open a box at this point, kind of Pandora's box, and you've got a 50-50 chance of finding out if, if a tipping point has been reached, and you have to deal with the consequences of that. It sounds like, based on what you're telling me about tipping points, that no matter if I had a perfect score in this game, there's still some things that are completely out of our control um, you know, taking out the game at this point in terms of grander climate change that we just, we can't stop at this point. I think that's exactly right. We are on the pathway to disaster at the moment. What we're trying to do is mitigate that and to adapt so that we can improve the situation. And I think one of the key lessons from the game as well as investing in, in these things early and is actually to portray the amount of work that you need to put in. I think getting rid of all petrol cars by 2035, people just can't believe that that is the level of change that is required. But one of the things putting together this game that I learned is that it's a monumental the amount of effort that we need to put in. And I think you can play this whole game, think you've done really well and still see that that actually that that we are on a pathway to 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 major upheaval and major changes to the way that we live. Okay, so tough stuff both in real life when it comes to climate change and in the game. But you should still give the game a try. We have a link to the FT Climate Game in our show notes. Sam Joyner has helped design it. He heads our visual storytelling team. Thanks so much, Sam. Thanks, Mark. Before we go, just a quick reminder that if you haven't done so already, please take our survey about FT Podcasts. We really want to know what you think. It'll only take five minutes, and you'll automatically be entered to win a cash prize. Just head over to ft.com slash podcast survey. That's ft.com slash podcast survey. There's also a link in our show notes. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back next week for the latest business news. The FT News Briefing is produced by Fiona Simon and me, Mark Filipino. Our editor is Jess Smith. We had help this week from Michael Lello, Peter Barber, and Gavin Coleman. Our executive producer is Topher Forges. Cheryl Brumley is the FT's global head of audio. And our theme song is by Metaphor Music. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation... 
Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.